0: Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Benz, Benz Hilaire, and you are vibing to the Dreadhead and Tech podcast. Right now, I am still in the Valley, uh, so I'm leaving tomorrow, but before I leave, man, I met some great entrepreneurs that was self-taught in coding, but that's doing amazing things. And I feel like, man, look, I have to get these young kings on the podcast to kind of explain how important it is to learn how to code, because to be honest with you, even though I'm in tech, I don't know how to code but my goal is to learn how to code, right? So I feel like, you know what, man, these young guys will explain why it is important to know how to code and also how they learn how to code. But first, before you learn all that, let's let's kind of like dive deep into who they are. So I'm gonna pass the mic to, to our first guest and he's gonna explain to, to you guys, you know, who he is and also where he's from.
1: My name is Malcolm Howard, I'm chief technical officer and co-founder of Project MQ. Uh, We're building a discovery platform exclusively for independent video games. There are tens of thousands of games on the marketplace, and uh, the video game industry globally makes more than the movie and music industries combined. More than $100 billion growing 8% year over year. But the latest reports show that the average independent game developer makes less than $500 a year. And uh, with more than 500 games being released on game marketplaces every day, that's a problem. It's a problem for the game creators and a problem for game consumers, for the gamers. And so we're creating a solution that gives you customized, personalized recommendations for video games for your personal taste. And uh, that's, that's what we're doing.
2: Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Salman Hijazi, and I am from Pakistan. Um, I am the founder of a new technology that is going to be out soon. It's called Storama. Uh, it's basically a new way for students to study online. Um, traditionally, everybody is just using videos and, at best, live lectures. What we're building is a new way that sort of makes the whole one-on-one experience possible uh, for every student to study at their own pace. And it's, it's still um, in process of being built out. And hopefully, if everything goes according to plan, it'll be out in a few months.
0: I'm like, okay, so while you have the mic, can you explain to them like a little bit more about your background and all the words, how did you get involved into tech?
2: Yeah, so um well, it dates way back to when I was two years old. <laughs> well, no, in all seriousness, like ever since I was a little baby, uh, it's a funny story, kind of embarrassing, but I think I'll share it. Um, I was a little baby, and my dad back then had a, you know a it was a compact or capcom something Compaq, i don't know Compaq, year, Compaq. Yeah. 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 Yep. those computers oh a packard bell computer actually. Yep. yeah mm-hmm. yeah right. and i he got it and he would use it to write out his assignments in dos and whatnot and i would just always sit in his lap like we have pictures of me sitting in his lap just looking at the screen as the mm-hmm. text goes by and mm-hmm. uh, my dad always just knew uh, that you know because of my interest in computers uh, i would you know grow up to actually be interested in them the funniest bit was that i was so involved in what was happening on the computer screen that's one time i was standing on the keyboard and i was a baby mm. and i sort of peed on the keyboard <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and my dad told my mom and he was like well you know he he was so involved in the screen that he didn't even realize he had to go to the bathroom so <laughs> he has to be he has to do something with computers oh well, time passed and uh, like a decade later um i just got introduced to the internet Oh, well, you know when i finally had access to it more than i uh, had before and websites were something that really amazed me and i was like how do people come up with these things how is it made and it just so happened that i was walking down in a bookstore and i saw this book you know uh, HTML for dummies And I had heard about HTML somewhere. And I was like, dad, can I please get this book? And he was like, yeah, sure, get it. It was like a $3 book. I got it. I came back home. I opened up Notepad. And I just started writing in it, copying the code. And I opened up in a browser and it showed text. And then I changed the text and I saved the file and the text changed. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I can make the web. (laughs) That was so, that was like the turning point in my life. I was so excited that I was like 13 years old. And since that day, it's been one and a half decade, and I'm still in love with code as much because it's just the feeling that you can make something do what you want it to do, and then other people use it for their daily lives, you know, impacting lives in a positive way. People, It's like an artist when they make a painting and they put it up a wall. And then people come and look at it, and they're like, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of feeling that I get with code, that somebody comes to my website and then leaves a good review. Mm-hmm. Or when I make a project for a client, and they're like, wow, this looks fantastic. So code for me is art, and um, it just makes me happy doing it. And I don't think I'll ever get sick of it. That's yes, <laughs>
0: <Amen>. so. <laughs> so Malcolm, what about you? How did you get involved into tech?
1: Great question. Uh, I tell everyone, anytime anyone asks me this question, I completely blame video games on my (laughs) STEM career. Uh, It all started in 1987 with the Super, or sorry, the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Super Mario Bros. 3. Uh, I don't know if I'm showing my age now, but um, (laughs) I love that game. We played a bunch of video games after that, and uh, we had the Game Genie, and you could see when you change the code how it would give you like extra lives or you know, you could be stronger and all this stuff. And uh, it, was, it wasn't it was until that kind of laid dormant until I was in uh, a freshman in high school and I discovered the graphing calculator. I think it was a TI-83 plus and I played Zelda growing up. So I decided, my twin brother and I, my co-founder, and I decided, hey, we can make a video game. And so on a graphing calculator, we, uh, I think it uses basic, and we drew a sword that would just animate left and right across the screen. And we said, I think we can do this, make a first-person Zelda game. Well, that didn't work out, because one day at lunch, uh, our math teacher was mad at people playing video games in their calculators. She just deleted everything off people's uh, calculators. But years and years and years later, uh, after three years or so as a biology major, I decided I think I still like this programming thing. And uh, I applied for a job and they said, well, you need to be, we we see you can code because I was taking some other classes, but we need you to be a computer science major if you're going to get this job. And so I just switched majors and the rest has been history. Mm. Uh, So it was partly self-taught because of video games and interest in, in how games are made. And then it kind of transitioned into a passion of creating new technology after having used it.
0: And then uh, for your twin brother was he also like the same way with ga- with um coding and games too or was it just you specifically Oh yeah yeah no
1: both of us uh, all I have a younger sister too all of wow. us we're, we're we're video game I'm not going to say we're addicts mm. that sounds negative but mm. we play video games a lot <laughs> mm. <laughs> And uh yeah he he when he went to college he knew he wanted to get a degree in information technology I thought I was going to be in biology and uh he pursued that and I figured out the light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. about halfway through and switched my career. And it's the best decision I've ever made in terms of uh, just my personal interests and in my career. It gives me so much uh, opportunity to create things and programming is so fun because you it's analytical, yeah, but... It's always, it's also creative. I tell people it's like dissolving, not dissolving, designing and solving a, pro, a puzzle at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, and also, too, like, so, okay, so now, okay, you guys got involved with coding, right? Mm-hmm. You, you like it. But what was that point that made you want to become entrepreneurs? What was that pain point that you came across? You can start first, Malcolm, so you, you have the mic.
1: Okay. Uh, well, the first business I was ever a part of was in middle school and it wasn't actually technology related at all. My dad had a Ford truck and he knew some coworkers that needed their grass cut. We had lawnmowers, So that's where I got the entrepreneurship uh, was cutting grass and cutting lawns and stuff. Lawn care with my siblings. It wasn't until later that we got brought on. My brother and I in college got brought on to uh, an opportunity to program a dashboard, a data dashboard before this is like a modern thing. And that's uh, when I first started a, a tech business. And from there, because we were trying to determine how to identify problems and solve them, we developed a skill of seeing what needed to be improved or what needed to be fixed and coming up with solutions for that. So that's how entrepreneurship
0: started for me. Oh, awesome, man. What about you, Tom?
2: Uh, well, um, I would start off that I was around, like, I guess 15 or 16 years old when uh, because I started making websites and anytime time I would make something, I would show my dad and my, you know, the people in the house and everything. So my dad joins, like, because he, he's in the education industry, he joined a lot of organizations here and there. So this one day he's like, oh, I joined this organization and they have like a really bad web page. Can you redo it for them? Mm. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I spent like two days on it. I made it so good, you know. <laughs> and I, I got 50 bucks for it. And I was like, wow, that's like... I was 16 years old. I earned Mm -hmm. 50 bucks. That was amazing. But that was the point when I realized that, hey, like I understood what money was and you know, but it wasn't until later, a few years later when I was in uh, starting my high school. So there's this trend that everybody in summers, they do internships. So you put it up in your resume. So by the time you graduate, you have like a lot of experience gathered up and everything. So I got this internship at this uh, advertising agency, and it was, it was a big agency back in Pakistan, and I, not a lot of people get it, and I got it because of the skills that I had. And I had to do it for one month, and after 20 days, I didn't go back. I was like, <laughs> I can't do this routine, wake up early in the morning, mm. dress up, go to office, come back in the evening. I want to start my own business so I can work in my own hours how I want to do it. And that's when I started freelancing. <laughs> and it just so happened that because i was so passionate like all my other friends were applying for jobs Mm -hmm. and you know uh sorry applying for internships and getting adding stuff to their resume and i was like i don't need that i just need a good profile on elance Mm -hmm. and i just (laughs) that's what i worked on and i i'm so happy to say that i've never in my entire life even made a single resume because i just never sent it anywhere Mm -hmm. and if anybody asks me for it I don't even talk to them anymore because if somebody asks me for my resume after my uh, portfolio, uh, that's not the kind of person that I want to talk to. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how my entrepreneurial yeah. journey started, and it's just been great ever since. and the the fun factor, the excitement, yeah. you know, the risk and everything, I love every bit of it.
0: And to actually piggyback on what you just said on the risk in entrepreneurship, like you have a very cool story that you told me of how you end up from uh you know, from uh Pakistan to Silicon Valley to to, yes. to having your new startup. Yeah. Like can you like can you kinda like describe that detail, that whole process?
2: Yeah, well, um Continuing off from this, you know, I, I built my Elance profile and I started getting jobs and everything. I still remember my first job that I got was for, on Elance, was for, on like, not with the help of my dad, <laughs> my own efforts, mm. I got it, it was for $186.27, mm. exact to the cent amount. <laughs> I don't know why the guy put that amount up there, but I got it and mm-hmm. it was the happiest day of my life. Mm. Um, there's a little bit of, like, a sad element prior to this but that's kind of irrelevant but it was like I needed this motivation I needed this to work for me and luckily it started working out at this point and it just went great. Uh, it was just a one man army and uh, you know just working projects back to back and everything but then as the demand increased I had to hire more people to do it and so eventually a one man elance account turned into a small agency mm. where uh, up until like in the later stages there were like six people. It wasn't a huge company, but we, w- we were building projects, products for companies in the Silicon Valley. And ever since I've been here, I've actually met those people in person and it's been absolutely mm, fantastic. Cool. But um, so I did the company for uh, around six years, six and a half years. And um, I, because I was in services, building products for other companies, you know, other startups working on people, just people were so passionate about their product, being so, you know, selective about the smallest of details As a freelancer, I would get annoyed, but, you know, that's kind of trigger that people are so passionate about what they do. And more so, as I was getting tired of services, I had an idea for a startup. And I was like, well, you know, that is really something that I should start pursuing because I had that idea seven years ago and nobody was still doing it. The problem still existed. In fact, the problems were getting worse, and there wasn't anything that was solving. So uh, 2017 was the year when I decided this is the year that I'm going to dedicate myself to this product. So took the first couple of months, first few months to, you know, detach myself from a lot of things. And uh, I didn't want it to be like a thing where I have a lot of money, and I just, you know, started. I wanted it to be a complete struggle because that's the best way to get into it. So uh, I had a car, which was so dear to me absolutely so dear that i would uh, spend half of my day on my car and i realized that in order for me to find the same kind of passion for a startup i have to detach myself from the things that i hold so dear so i sold my car and using that money i sold the car in april the 2017 and i used that money to fly over to silicon valley not being in this part of the united states ever in my life i used those savings to come to the silicon valley and turned like directed all of my passion into the one startup that I wanted to work on. And over the past few months, I've been working on it, and I'm really excited that I'm at a stage that next month we're going to have like something for the public to see, and hopefully a, a few months after, we're going to have our first launch. Um, it's an amazing journey for me. It gives me goosebumps every time I think about it and every time I plan ahead. It's, it's just It's a great feeling. I think anybody who ever has a chance to experience this it's not like me telling you this is not the same as you experiencing it mm-hmm. yourself.
0: And so far, like how's how like how's your whole vibe and feel of uh, Silicon Valley? Is, is it what you always dreamed of, or what's your thoughts so far this year being here?
2: Um, well, um, it's not that I always dreamed about coming to <laughs> Silicon Valley, but everybody watches the show, show Silicon Valley. Yeah, but you know, there's a lot, a lot of things that hate. This is like something else this place Mm. and ever since the day that I've come here it it has surpassed my expectations and I think more so of that experience was because of the fact that I landed in this house uh, Mm. called the startup embassy it's a great place where I meet new entrepreneurs every single day and you find people from all over the world you know different fields different industries and that that element is so amazing you like I have learned so much in so many different areas like not even tech like about a culture a cultural thing in japan or something that happens in china or something that happens somewhere in africa and how it impl- has an impact on everything else in the world it, it's so great that you learn so much just from being in this place this is one of the most diverse places that i've been you walk down the street you watch you look at people from all over the world and it's just a great feeling that everybody here is you know, m- well, not everybody, but a lot of people that you see, everybody is here pursuing a passion and all of that sort of feeds your passion. You know, you talk to anybody and they're so motivated about something like even in your head, if you're thinking, hey, that's not a good idea. But the passion that they have for that idea, you're like, wow, if this person can be so passionate about this, you know, imagine what if, if I'm as passionate as this person, were, what I can do. Not saying that my idea is better, but everybody mm-hmm. thinks their idea is the best. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's just great. There's so much to feed off of. There's so much positive energy. There's so much tech talk going. Like back home, like my family is not an entrepreneurial family. Mm-hmm. So when I would tell them about a startup, I would have to tell them what it meant. When I would tell them about investment or, you know, an MVP or I or a pitch deck, I would have to explain it. Here, it's like the normal lingo. Mm -hmm. Every, because you feel right at home, you walk down the street, like I walk to get food every night, and everybody's talking about a startup, Bitcoin, investment, pitch decks, I met this person, Facebook, blah, blah. And it's, it's such a great feeling, you know, that everybody here, it's like my people. You know? <laughs> yeah, it <makes> sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's absolutely fantastic. And you know, even meeting people like you guys, yeah. it's everybody has such a great story. Like I, I didn't know about this guy's story and you know, all of a sudden when he was talking, I was like, Wow, you know, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Uh, this place is absolutely fantastic. Um, even if you're not in a business, I would like even if you're not techie or having a business or anything, I think coming to the Silicon Valley and just experiencing this. Mm. would be beneficial for anybody
0: oh man so malcolm like so how did you come across your business as a matter of fact you from uh, atlanta savannah right, mm-hmm, right. so this in your order. first time in in the valley too uh
1: yeah in the valley second time in uh in california came here four years ago for the electronic entertainment expo which if you're into video games i highly recommend if you can make your way there and afford it and stuff it's absolutely
0: awesome Okay, so okay. now, now, being the first time in the Valley, before we kind of dive deep into how you came up with the idea, mm-hmm. what's your thought so far in the, in the Valley? This,
1: uh, it's actually better than, than I expected. Uh, I got the impression that the Silicon Valley was very single-minded, uh, very non-diverse, uh, which I'm sure, I know that there are issues with diversity here. But uh, I don't feel I thought that maybe it might be more I hate to say it like hipstery or um, I don't know what I expected but I'm, I'm I'm finding a lot of really positive minded positively minded and really friendly founders and people that just want to support. Individuals that are coming up with solutions to help people, and I, I didn't expect that. I thought it was going to be uh, kind of like a different class of elitist individuals, mm-hmm. and so far I haven't run into that.
0: Yeah. And then now, as far as like the idea, how did you come up with the uh, company Jab now?
1: I actually have to give my brother credit, um, my co-founder and twin brother. He had the idea for a platform to effectively make it easy to share experiences that we've had with games, uh, but also to be able to watch, uh, some games have like cinematic content that you can watch kind of like a movie and it happens along the course of the game. And sometimes you just want to know what happened in the game without having to play 40 hours, <laughs> uh, you know, through a game. And we, there wasn't a platform like that. This was before like YouTube gaming and, uh, right at the start of Twitch and stuff. So there wasn't really any place where you could go and find that. And certainly not for independent games. So we decided we were going to make this multimedia catalog. And after E3, we realized that the AAA games uh, already have all the resources they need to be able to find their audience. But the independent, it's just like an independent film, independent books, independent music. They have just as awesome projects that are passionate and creative, but they don't have the resources to find their intended buyers or consumers. And we wanted to help them. And so that's kind of how Project
0: Incue was born. I like that. And now to kind of like dive a lot more into the whole tech space. Okay, so can you kind of like run us down step by step? How did you start coding? Like, did you go to school and learn to code? Or did you begin coding on your own by learning a certain website or read a certain book?
1: The first, I must have been on a website. I don't remember where I saw the the documentation for BASIC. But I knew I just wanted to create a game. And I didn't know how you did that. I played games for Ten, at least ten years, uh, but I didn't know how you go about making them. Although I knew that my calculator had games on it—Galaga, Mario <laughs> Brothers—someone made that and put it on a calculator and on a device we were using for classroom activities. So I figured I could use the internet to find out how they did that and make my own. And uh, that's really how that started. I just looked online, and my brother and I. Found the, the documentation for for Basic, and we started figuring out how pixels work and how to get stuff on the screen and get it to start really having life. So that's how we started programming. Oh, nice, man.
0: What about you? How did you how did you begin uh, coding? I mean, was uh, it did you go to school for coding, or was it self-taught?
2: No, not at all. I think I mentioned this earlier as well. I was um, fascinated by the whole web thing and everything, how it works, and I was walking by a bookstore and I saw a book called HTML for Dummies, mm. and I asked my dad to get it for me. And mm. basically, it was a book that taught you, uh, HTML is like a basic language that makes gives you the power to you know, build the structure of a website visually, and it's like the basic form of coding that you can do when web-related. And I had heard about it from something HTML, and then I saw it on the book and I got it. And when I got the book back home, it had different scripts, you know, how to type hello world, you know, the first thing that everybody does and some other elements, how to add a form and then how somebody can type into that form and everything. And I was just fascinated. And I came back home and I just started copying the scripts on a notepad and just started saving them as HTML files and opening them on the browser. And that's how I was introduced into the world of coding. And but that was just like step one, you know, and it got me so excited that i started searching the internet we had dial up back then mm-hmm. like and it, it was it was, t- it was terrible like you know you connect and each i think we all have yeah, been it in that sent- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly so <laughs> So yeah, so um, <laughs> I used to use a dial-up connection, and then I would just go on different websites trying to learn. And then I came across these few websites. Uh, I think I'm not even sure if they exist anymore. It's like mm. Hot Scripts and Netscripts. Dot, uh, you know. Uh, and what you would do is basically you could browse through their library and download scripts mm-hmm. that you could use for your own, you know, whatever you want to do. Like, for example, I found one, that hey, how to submit a contact form. Yeah. So I found a script that basically used input fields and then emailed the content. And I downloaded that and I started looking at how it works, not knowing it, not having any direction, just mm-hmm. reading lines and trying to make sense of it. And uh, because I did HTML first, I had an idea how tags work and mm-hmm. you know what how what syntax is, for example, mm-hmm. you know the basics. And uh, but yeah, it was just all you know me just diving right into stuff, um, nobody to guide me. I think there was just one person, my dad was working in a university and that person told me taught me how to set up a server so you could run PHP on your computer. And that was like the only help. That a person gave to me in like a one-on-one session but yeah. otherwise it was just the internet just downloading scripts breaking them apart to a point that they would stop working and then trying to fix them back again yeah. so that they would work and then googling stuff hey what does this command do what does this command do? i was a little crazy i would say yeah. but <laughs> but basically that's that's how i taught myself and i never really had an official trainer and i'm actually glad that i did not yeah, because Teaching yourself how to code, I personally think is the best way to code, learn how to code. Because if somebody's teaching you, they're going to tell you all the right things to do. Mm. For me, I did all the wrong things until I got to the right one. Mm. And that way I got so much better because uh, I knew everything that did not work. So as soon as, you know, something would break in the script, you know, there was an error, I would instantly know what was going on because I had done it a hundred times before. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that is like a superpower to have when you're coding that you can debug your code. Mm. Um, debugging is basically just picking out errors from your code. And that's like the most difficult part to do because you can't keep on checking your code after every line you type. You write out an entire script, then you test it, you realize, hey, it's not working. And then that's where you start pulling your hair out. Why is it not working? And I think because I went through the process that I did, I pretty much knew all the reasons why things would not work. So it was really easy for me to debug code and it was just a great feeling.
0: And to also like add piggyback on that too, um, okay, so for, for us like non-coders, the first thing on our mind is, uh, how long is it gonna take to learn how to code? Like, so how long did, did it take you to learn how to code?
2: Um, it's such a long time ago that I don't know exactly mm-hmm. how long it took. Um, it's actually been a really long time, but as far as I remember, um, it did not take me long in the sense because I was enjoying it. Oh, okay. Anything that you enjoy, you basically, you know, time just goes by mm-hmm. so it wasn't as if that I was struggling and everything like even the times that I was failing yes there was a little bit of frustration at times but I was enjoying the whole process because mm-hmm. after all that you know blood sweat and tears and in the end you press enter and it says hello world yeah. in a blue color. <laughs> You're it like, worked? wow it worked you know yeah. i did this and mm. then you press a button and it refreshes and does something else so it takes a lot it's, it's like uh, you know again i would bring the example of an artist you know when they're painting a picture it takes them hours to do it mm-hmm. and when you start off it makes absolutely no sense it's just white canvas with some strokes on it and that's why you never look at an artist's work while it's being made Mm. once it's complete that's when you look at it the same thing is with the code like when you start up it feels like you're going nowhere with it and you're struggling and everything but as it starts taking the shape you get excited because it's getting close to being complete and when it's done you just want to show it off to everybody Mm. and it's it's just if you're enjoying it 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 really speeds up and for me personally I think coding was something that was very enjoyable Mm -hmm. and I think it can be for other people as well like I know a lot of people who did not even know about coding until a certain point until they started coding Mm -hmm. and now they're all amazing coders in their life like a lot of people in this house you would meet who Mm. did not start the same way as I did yeah but now they are coders who are Making absolutely amazing applications ev- everywhere.
0: So. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So Malcolm, what about you? Did it take you years to learn, or what was your um, timeline?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it took me four years to get my degree, uh, but I would say that learning to code is probably like learning anything else. You can initially learn it very quickly, and it takes what like 10,000 hours to achieve mastery. Uh, so I don't. I think that you can learn the concepts of of how to program uh, by using multiple tools online that are free, and uh, you definitely don't have to pay for it, although there are some you can pay for, maybe get some assistance with, but just understand that learning to do a thing and then learning to do a thing well, like there's a big difference between both those points. So it's it's something that can, is I think, is completely easily accessible, but it's not something, just like any other task, that you're going to master the first time you try it, or after five hours or ten hours, you may be able to write a hello world program within 30 minutes, mm. but you're not going to write an entire web application in mm. after 30 minutes either.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now to actually add to that too, uh, okay, do you know of any resources, whether it's online or offline, for someone that's just starting off to either read or, you know, or any meetups that you know of, and you, like. What are some techniques for a beginner, like a very beginner, like to, to start?
1: Right, well, um, and this works if you're self-taught or even if you're going to school for this formally, there are free online resources that are more formal, like formal education. I think MIT has the edX program where you can just take classes and you don't have to pay a single thing. If you want to get the certificate of completion, it's like $50 a class. Uh, you've got other more tutorial-based, mentor-based programs like Code Academy, and then one of my personal favorites, uh, I'm like their unofficial evangelist, uh, is Code Academy. If you want to learn to code while not realizing you're learning to code because you're playing a video game, I highly recommend it. They've got tons of free content, and it's also open source uh, for the win, but I recommend it. It's its the... I've, programmed in a lot of languages and a lot of tools, and it's the most intuitive and entertaining way to learn the code that I've ever come across. It's, uh,
0: it's also Code Combat. Uh, Did
1: I that... say Code Combat?
0: Right. right. Yeah, yeah, not Code Academy. Code
1: Academy's good. Code Combat's better. That's All what... the stuff I just said I meant, Code <laughs> Combat, and you said Code <laughs> Academy. And,
0: <laughs> and Code Combat is the one that's, that's the, the yeah, whole a video, video
1: game. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yep,
0: Okay, yep, like, yep. Like, describe that a little bit. Is it, I mean, is it for kids or is it for adults?
1: Um... All of the imagery, if you go to the website, www.codecombat.com, and no, I'm not being compensated for this, <laughs> uh, will show kids, and it's great for kids. My mom teaches an after-school program. I introduced her to it, and she's got, like, third or fourth graders or something like that that are mm-hmm. using this and learning to code. Uh, but I think it's also effective for adults. It's, you know, any age range. I, I tell people that you use the tools for writing most programs every day with that symbols or cause and effect or repetition, and uh, so you can you write programs or you're running programs as a human without even realizing it, and you can just need to learn how to employ that type of thinking pragmatically and explicitly when you're trying to teach an inanimate object to do things that you do naturally.
0: Oh, nice man. And what about you? Like, what what, what are some of your, of your either personal techniques, resources, books? Uh, to begin for a very basic beginner?
2: Well, the first thing that I would say is to, firstly, not think of code as something alien or something monstrous or something to be afraid of. In in simple terms, code is just like English, mm-hmm. but for the computer to understand. Yep. So when you're coding, it's not like you're just making up stuff. Like when you look at code, it looks like freakishly scary. and You don't know what's going on. But in actuality, it's just instructions code is literally instructions to a computer how to perform a specific task. So um, when if for example, you're giving somebody directions, you're like, okay, how do I get to the superstore? Just walk down straight, make a first right, left. That's technically code, mm-hmm. right You're just saying it in your language. Mm-hmm. Now think of you think of yourself telling that to a computer. The computer does not understand English, so you have to sort of say it in a way that they understand. And because technology is so amazing these days, even code is very close to English. So half of the code that you type is mostly just English, because you're just telling the computer what to do. The only thing that they basically have to learn is like grammar. Like, you know, you learn ABCs, your mm-hmm. alphabets, and then you start forming sentences. And then mm-hmm. with those sentences, you can make uh, instructions. Mm-hmm. That's the same for code. Um, It's just when you listen to coders talk about it, you know, they use words like syntax and whatnot and you feel like it's something else. Mm -hmm. But in simple terms, it's just language for the computer and all you have to learn is the grammar so they can understand. You know how in English when you put the comma in the wrong place, Mm -hmm. the sentence changes? It's pretty much the same thing with code. You just have to make sure you're putting all the commas, the dots, Semis you know, the, the, <laughs> colons, <Yeah>. the semicolons, <laughs> all of these things in the right place. Now, now, this is a joke that people would be like, what is that joke? We don't even get it. <laughs> yeah. But like in simple terms, it's like you putting a question mark in the middle of a sentence mm-hmm. and expecting somebody to answer it. Okay. Right? So the, I think the first step is to just not to think of it as something scary. It's something extremely simple. It's just because the computer is not as smart as you are not yet at least but because it's not as smart as you are you have to sort of dumb your language down to their level so mm. in a way coding is like an inferior version of english exactly. uh, and so you have to dumb your language down for the computer to understand so that's a, that's the small learning curve that you know how to dumb it down so in you know just think of it as not something scary then everything else is simpler for you as as far as resources the internet is Full of resources, like especially in today's world, you can find so much content, so much, so many tutorials. Like, uh, just doing a simple Google search just gives you hundreds of results. Like, just doing a YouTube search will give you hundreds of videos of content. But just to name a few places out where you can absolutely get started, like. Code Combat. I haven't used it, but it absolutely sounds amazing. Code Academy is again a really good platform, but even other other places, you know, go to uh, Udemy or Coursera, mm-hmm. you can find like fully fleshed out courses that will get you from an absolute basic point to a point where you can actually, uh, you know, start making stuff. Yep. And it's it's like tutorial based, so they tell you exactly what to do and why to do it and why you need to do it. Mm-hmm. So there's so many reasons like. Um, for me personally, because I'm sort of like an ancient when it comes to learning, I use websites that don't even exist anymore, but (laughs) legit, like those websites probably don't even exist anymore, but there's so many better resources out there and, um, I think Malcolm really summarized them up really well that you could actually just have like your, you know, it's like a, somebody holding your hand and walking you through the whole process. That's the kind of tutorials that you can get, but Yeah.
0: Yes, okay, so uh, so as we start to wrap, um, wrap up this whole podcast, now, how important do you think it is to know how to code or learn how to code as a tech entrepreneur? Or do you feel like, you know what, I can just be a non-technical founder and still have a tech company? Like, from your personal experience as both a tech entrepreneur and founders and having a tech background, how important is it to learn or know how to code? You can start first. Let's okay. you have the mic.
2: Well, um irrespective of whether you're an entrepreneur or you have a startup, I think at least knowing the basics of coding is extremely important. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a techie. It doesn't matter if you're an artist. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, an educationist. This code is something that is uh, so, uh, you know, it's such a crucial part in today's world that, uh, like, I've seen a lot of universities and schools even make it part of their curriculum. And uh, But even if they don't do it, I, I don't think that's an excuse not learn it everybody should absolutely explore it because uh it's not about thinking of it that hey where am i going to use it once you know it there's so many places that you can use it that you can actually end up using it like kids can actually like program stuff on their computer to do something for them like I don't know, like if you get detention and if you have to write a hundred <laughs> lines, whatever, you can code it out rather than just doing it yourself. You know, that's a bad example, but just like, <laughs> like you, you, can, you can come up with uses because it is something that's so around us. Like you walk around with the phone in your hand all the time and, you know, you do realize that just spending 30 minutes on a tutorial website and you can make your own game. That happened in this house. One of the, uh, one of the housemates who's living here, he knew absolutely nothing about coding. And then one fine day, he just started looking up at a couple of tutorials, and legit, two days later, he came up with his own game that all of us played. It's called Limelo you guys can ask him. It's, he did it in two days, and he's been so excited that he's just experimenting more with it. But even, even in terms of, like... Um, when you're as an, as an entrepreneur or everything, even if you're like a non-technical um, founder, I think it's really important for you to know the basics because if your product revolves around technology, you need, and if if you don't have a CTO, how are you ever going to pick out a CDO for yourself if you don't understand what they're talking about? Or how are you ever going to hire somebody to code something out if you don't know what are, what they're charging you for? Like we, Because in this how you meet so many people, we've met people who do not know what coding is or how to code and people charge them 10x amount of the money for example uh, because they just don't understand what it is and for them it's like a huge deal and for a coder it's like something really simple like i know i shouldn't say this but it, even i sort of did this at, like mm-hmm. not in a bad way but like a client thought that there was a certain bit that they wanted coded, which was really complicated but it wasn't for me and they thought it was so great i was like they were like how much are you going to charge and i was like It was really simple. I was like, I don't know, like how much have you budgeted for it? They said, Oh, we have we only have two grand. And it it was gonna take me ten minutes. And I was like, Oh that's that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's you could probably cut that out. but but i'm just saying like because um uh but I, the good part <laughs> is, is i weird. made a really good product for the the company and they yeah. ended up raising 50 million uh an evaluation of 50 million so That's they great. did really well because my code was so good but mm-hmm. i'm just saying like as a non uh, non technical co-founder it is still important so that you could uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this word, but you should at least be able to call out somebody's bullshit.
0: Nah, nah, you can cuss all you want. <laughs> this, is, this is real, raw, and organic. Uh, yeah, fantastic. so uh,
2: you should know at least enough that you could call out somebody's bullshit.
0: I like that. So Malcolm, that's for you. like, Do you have anything you want to add to that on why it is important to know how to code or learn how to code as a technical or non-technical founder? I mean, what? Well, you know what I mean? Right, right.
1: right. Uh, well, first off, I want to just broaden it a little bit uh, to kind of echo what Salman said. And you have to realize that our world is not becoming less technical, uh, especially if you're and regardless of whether not you're a founder or just a student or a global citizen, you're going to need to understand technology. Uh, I don't know the numbers, but I want to say a couple of years ago, the number of computing slash smart devices outnumbered the number of people on the planet. Mm -hmm. And so if you ever go and visit another nation, you learn to speak the language of the people. And the language of the people right now, this planet, is software. Mm. So I think it's really important just to become a modern citizen, to learn to do, uh, to interact with these devices that we carry in our pockets. I mean, everyone's got at least probably a phone and a laptop, if not some like a smartwatch and stuff like that. I think it's important to learn about technology, at least from a 3000 foot view, even if you're not a technical founder, because what things happen, especially in, in building startups, uh, you may run out of funding. And uh, if that happens, you need to still be able to make progress on your technical product while you don't have money to pay people to build a technical product. Otherwise you're kind of just dead in the water. And as, from an entrepreneurial <laughs> standpoint, you don't want to be in the point, be in a position where you're relying on that next check, because if you're in a point where you're relying on the next check, that person has all the leverage. And uh, if you, you just give up your company, if you at that point. Uh, so I think it's important from a global citizen standpoint, but also especially if you're going to be building a technical company, uh, you regardless of whether or not you have a technical background, you got to understand how the systems work whether well, that's just knowing like what the core, the basic concepts of what a database is or even how the internet works, you got to understand that because you're at least going to have a website to promote mm-hmm. your business once you launch.
0: I agree. And then, uh, so, last thing. So, basically, for right now, as a developer, what's your favorite language in code?
1: Uh, I have to say Python for anyone. It's, I mean, it's all based on personal preference. I don't know if there's, like, a quote-unquote, Perfect language. Uh, and I think I heard someone say that if there was ever a language that no one had a problem with, it's not getting used. Or I yeah. butchered that that quote. But uh, Python's my favorite uh, for a number of reasons. I think especially for people that are learning to program, it's written, it's at a high level, uh, it reads kind of like English. And there are a lot of little things in other languages like Java that you just don't have to worry about just to do something simple. And I think it's important when people are learning to code that they remove as many obstacles as possible to lower that learning curve. Because if you you wind up starting in C or something like that and something happens that you don't understand, you're just going to give up. And so if you're trying anything new, you've got to lower the learning curve as much as possible. And I think Python does that. Go to www.learnpython.org. It's free.
0: <laughs> now what about you? What's your favorite language? <laughs>
2: Um, well, um, I know like Malcolm's gonna, (laughs) he doesn't like me for saying this, Ah. a lot of people are probably not gonna like me for saying this, but I started off, um, coding in PHP. And I've coded in PHP for over a decade. <laughs> um, I, I feel that um, yes, there was a time when PHP was bad and terrible, but now PHP is like really evolved and much better than where it was before. But the reason why I stuck to PHP was because for me PHP was extremely simple. Uh, it's not raw as uh, maybe Python is in the sense, but you in PHP the amount of work that you have to do is really less considering that you can find libraries for almost everything that's already built into the package. Mm-hmm. And with these great frameworks coming out, like if anybody wants to learn PHP now, I would suggest that, you know, just learn basic PHP and then jump directly to Laravel. It's an it's a great framework that works on PHP and it just makes coding such a wonderful experience. It's like it's like, you know how those angels they're with the harps it's like (laughs) that kind of student it it is absolutely amazing but but (laughs) malcolm is absolutely right it's it's a personal preference like so uh for somebody out there who is a little bit technical in this department like um, there's like a pre-processing a pre-compiling language and then there is a more real time so with python for example you write your code and then you compile it into a software and then you execute it with PHP and, you know, until you compile it, you can't really be sure of what mistakes you've made. With PHP, you could debug your code real time, like as you're typing, you type it and then you can just switch over to a browser window, refresh and see if it's doing what you want it to do. And like with every line of code, you can see if you've made an error. So it's like easier to learn in the sense because rather than just writing something complete, then compiling it and noticing your errors, you can just write, you know, a portion of the code and execute it to see if it's fine so far. Mm. So I think that that was the easy bit of PHP that I really appreciated. At you know that um, I spent more time actually having results than you know trying to fix results. Uh, I was trying to fix errors. And um, for me, PHP has done wonders. And again, it's a personal preference. You should try out multiple before you decide on one. But all languages out there pick up any language right now. And if it, it's uh, it's not that you there's no wrong choice basically mm-hmm. so it's not that you pick something today and then you learn it and then you realize tomorrow that you've made a mistake mm-hmm. there's no wrong choice just pick up at least uh, those that are in the top right now that are really popular and there's like at least half a dozen or one dozen to choose from and just try to be as good in it as you can be
0: i like that man so like so last thing so plug yourself in in other words how can folks reach you they have either any question and want to follow you on your journey or be ready for your Um, Startup to launch uh, next year. What are the social media platforms to contact you?
2: Well, um, I'm normally very open to people, so um, you can easily... uh, Well, my startup is going to be on storama.com. Right now, you might not see much there, but um, in the first week of January, you'll see a lot happening there, hopefully earlier, but yeah. Uh, So you can check out the progress on my startup there. But if you want to reach out to me personally, um, you can... Email me. (laughs) (laughs) What's the email? (laughs) Email what? (laughs) You can email me. My email address is Salman, S-A-L-M-A-N, at the rate of Sturama, S-D-U-R-A-M-A dot com. I'd be happy to help out as much as I can.
0: Are you you on social media also? Oh, yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I don't use Twitter a lot, but Facebook is like my go-to social media platform. So if you want to look me up on Facebook, it's uh, my username is Salman, S-A-L-M-A-N, Hijazi, H-I-J-A-Z-I. Awesome. Yeah, I mean,
1: Malcolm. Yeah. What about you, Malcolm? All right. I just want to make a clarification really quickly. Uh, Python is also can be used and programmed in real time. If you want to find out more, go to www.learnpython.org. Uh, you can find uh, my company online. It's M Q at on Twitter at Project P-R-O-J-E-C-T M as in Mario, Q as in Quest. Uh, We give away free games every week, uh, epic indie games from awesome independent game developers. And we will have a launch coming up on our site at www.projectmq.com. That's going to be happening the first week of February in conjunction with the annual Geek End Conference, which is a tech and innovation conference in Savannah, Georgia.
0: Awesome. Listen to Salman and Malcolm once again, guys. First of all, I'm very inspired what you guys are doing, you know I mean? So thanks for coming to be on the podcast, for giving me some little tips and advice and also what you guys do. I think it's great because I can personally relate. As, as a non-technical founder, I, I have been burned when I first started off where I lost, like, $5,000 of, like, a bad hire. So it's very important to know how to code. You know, So that's why now I'm very eager to learn how to code, at least the basic, like I said, mm-hmm. at least the basic uh, mm-hmm. format. Uh, and at least help out my uh, engineer, if there's any bug coming up, where well, say, so you know what, she's busy with this feature, let me just come in, kind of like make time go faster for her. Mm-hmm. So I agree with what you guys said. Whoever listening right now, listen, learn how to code. Like, I'm with you, I don't know how to code either. I'm very honest and open, but I'm learning. My goal is to learn in 2018. Like, learn with me, all right? And if you ever, if you need any questions, just ask Malcolm, ask Malcolm I'm gonna do the same thing. If I get stuck somewhere. Uh but overall, man. Thank you very much. And uh, you guys with the blood, man.
1: Awesome, thank you. Appreciate thank, the opportunity. Thank you for Good luck, everyone. Yeah.
0: 2014, I moved that way nine. 2015. I got my heart declined 2016, I pick a cap down. Twenty seventeen. I think I'm back up now. I had a rough. I done had enough. In a tech space, ain't nobody showing love. They think I'm a thug. Think that I sell drugs? I'm a dreaded head George.